Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. Yes, we are grateful. We are grateful that we have an opportunity right in front of us to choose salvation, to choose awakening, to choose to remember our true identity. And we are taking it. Hallelujah. That's how I feel. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. I am raring to go here. Okay. Let's take that breath of love and gratitude together, place our hand on our heart, and wholeheartedly partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self. We are truly grateful to open ourselves to new insight, awakened awareness. We are willing and we are grateful. To remember that our holiness blesses the world, our holiness is intact. We didn't make our holiness and we cannot diminish it, but we can share it. And isn't that a blessing? So grateful to share and join together in our holiness right now. Two or more gathered in the name and the nature of love, transcending time and space in order to remember and recognize the fullness of love, the Christ awakened alive within us. We are grateful to share the benefits with all, every being, everywhere. In gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Mm. So many blessings. So grateful to share them. Yes. All right. So my name is Jennifer Hadley. We're talking about A Course in Miracles, and we're looking at Chapter 23. Right in the beginning, there's an intro, and it's entitled The War Against Yourself. Actually, that's what the, the chapter is entitled. The intro does not have a title. It's just intro. And this topic jumped out at me because it's something I've been thinking of uh, a lot lately. I'm preparing to do my Stop Playing Small online retreat starting Friday, September 9th, which is the upcoming Friday as I record this. And I'm just back from a week with my family uh, up at our home in Maine on Deer Isle in Stonington there and had a lovely time and I you know the 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 week that we spent together wasn't without any kerfuffles but what's great is whatever difficulty we have dissipates so quickly so quickly. And I really take credit for this because at least on my part, 
I used to hold a grudge so well, really an expert at holding a grudge. And I could hold on to resentment and regret and anger and hurt for such a long time. I really felt, oh, this is my calling (laughs) to be the one who never forgets, who always remembers what happened and holds it against you. I'm that one who will do that. I will never give it up. That was absolutely my training and my personality. I wore it like a badge of honor. And of course, of course, because of it, I, when I got triggered and I was mean and unkind and hurtful and resentful and taking it out on others, I would always, very soon after, feel terrible about myself, feel childish, immature, uh, wrong, bad, misguided, stupid, and on and on and on. And those blows to my self-esteem were just burying me to the point where I didn't want to live anymore. I didn't want to go on. I just didn't want to continue because I couldn't find a way to continue in love, with love, as love. And I knew that everything else was wrong. Everything else was not right, not good. And I didn't know how to get out of my rut, out of my way uh, off of the pain train so I knew I was playing small by holding on to these resentments I knew I was playing small by taking offense so often and so easily I knew I was playing small by not being willing to apologize or to hold things against people and give them the cold shoulder, the cold treatment. All of these were ways that I played small that I didn't feel I could give up. I just was deeply committed to them, and they were so, so painful. To me, that was the thing that was so difficult about playing small, is I knew I was doing it to myself, but I also did not know how to stop. I didn't know how to stop. So I just kept going year after year after year and feeling absolutely miserable. Absolutely miserable. And as I've said many, many, many times, this is what compels me to speak up and to not keep it to myself. Because just again, as I've been preparing for the Stop Playing Small online retreat that starts September 9th, I have been thinking about these things, about how things have changed for me so much. Really being contemplative about how 
I used to get so triggered into that smallness, that littleness, that one who had such a sense of deprivation, such a sense of something's missing, such a sense of deep lack. And when that would get triggered in me, I would feel hopeless and helpless and discouraged. Why bother? Why even try? And it was such a cycle for me. And I didn't know how to get out of it. And I, I am so grateful that that just isn't where I go anymore. Still get triggered sometimes, still get bothered and upset sometimes, but I don't ever go to that place ever anymore of something's wrong with me that I'm trying to hide or trying to make up for it or I can get triggered, bothered, make a snarky comment and then say, oops, sorry, and that's it, moving on. <laughs> it's just like it's gone, it's forgotten, it doesn't matter. It's like when you're, if you've ever gone kayaking or canoeing, you put your paddle in and you take it out to bring it around and put it in again. You very quickly, you can't see where that paddle was anymore. The water has beautifully covered it over. It's long forgotten. And so that's how it can be. Even when somebody else makes a snarky comment, even when somebody else does something that feels hurtful, or it, it, it can be healed over. There doesn't need to be a scar. There doesn't need to be a wound. However, as we're going to see here in this chapter three, when we're in a war against ourselves... It feels very different. So let's look at this here. So this is the intro to chapter three. Chapter three itself is entitled The War Against Yourself. And it begins like this. Do you not see the opposite of frailty and weakness is sinlessness? The opposite of frailty and weakness is sinlessness. We could also say the opposite of insecurity and feeling badly about yourself is sinlessness. Next sentence. Innocence is strength and nothing else is strong. So the opposite of frailty and weakness is innocence. The opposite of weakness is innocence, sinlessness. Let's just contemplate that for a moment. The opposite of weakness is strength, and strength is innocence. Our strength comes from our innocence. So... We are without blemish, without stain, no matter what we've done, no matter what we've said, 
no matter what we've participated in, no matter what we're holding on to in our awareness, our innocence is still intact. Isn't that amazing? Can we accept it? Or do we need to hold on to a vision of ourselves as sinners, an illusion of ourselves as sinners who deserve punishment? Because when we're identified with the ego thought system, that's what we think. That we're sinners, not innocent. The sinless cannot fear, for sin of any kind is weakness. So when we think of ourselves as sinners, we immediately feel weak. Immediately. Strength is gone. Because our strength comes from our innocence. And our innocence is intact whether we believe it or not. The show of strength attack would use to cover frailty conceals it not. The show of strength attack would use to cover frailty conceals it not. For how can the unreal be hidden. So think of someone who acts like a bully, someone who's constantly picking and and attacking other people. That's the show of strength and the attack used to cover frailty. But when whenever we see a a, a bully, someone who's in that aggressive attacking mode, do we think of them as strong or do we see that their weakness is on display? Because the person who can be loving and can be gentle is someone who shows strength of a heart. And don't we intuitively know that that person has real strength, that the bully who's attacking and punishing and calling names and using disparaging statements and judgmental words, do we think of that person as strong or are they actually putting their their desperate sense of personal weakness on display for all to see? People who are truly strong build others up, don't they? People who are truly strong lift others up, don't they? Don't they extend a hand? Don't they offer love and support? Don't they offer kindness? I mean, that that's what I was raised to, to believe, to know, to see, that those with inner strength and fortitude they offer love and support to other people. They help those less fortunate than themselves, including those who are afraid, worried, concerned, hesitant that the the strong person is magnanimous in offering love and support to others. 
So the show of strength attack would use to cover frailty conceals it not. For how can the unreal be hidden? So that which is not real cannot be hidden. No one is strong who has an enemy. And no one can attack unless he thinks he has. That's an interesting statement. No one is strong who has an enemy. And no one can attack unless he thinks he has, unless he thinks he has an enemy. So unless you believe you have enemies, you would not be attacking. Now, here's the thing that we are learning Right, You and I, this is what we're learning. We're learning that we have no enemies because we're all one. And that the illusion of an enemy is something we don't have to participate in. Even if someone seems to be our enemy, even if they declare themselves our enemy, even if they attack us the way an enemy might we don't we don't have to see them as an enemy we don't have to think of them that way and by not thinking of them as an enemy we're helping them we're extending love we're extending compassion we're willing to see with god's eyes and that's deeply healing to us It brings us back into our right mind, which is where we can see ourselves and our brothers and sisters in that place of innocence. That's pretty gorgeous, isn't it? That by being willing to give up any attachment we have to seeing anyone as an enemy, We are being a healing presence in everyone's life. And we are most especially helping ourselves to remember our innocence. So this is the thing is, um, so what keeps ringing in my mind in a way is my conversations that I've had over the last few years with people who are either really, really upset that some people won't get vaccinated or really, really upset because other people are insisting that people get vaccinated. All of that upset is a way to distract people from their own holiness, their own innocence, their own perfection and beauty Oh, and so we can live in our right minds. Going back here to this this intro, no one is strong who has an enemy and no one can attack unless he thinks he has an enemy. Belief in enemies is therefore the belief in weakness, and what is weak is not the will of God. Being opposed to it, opposed to the will of God, it is God's enemy. 
and God is feared as an opposing will. Hmm. How strange indeed becomes this war against yourself. You will believe that everything you use for sin can hurt you and become your enemy, and you will fight against it and try to weaken it because of this, and you will think that you have succeeded and attack again. It is as certain you will fear what you attack as it is sure that you will love what you perceive as sinless. Ooh, that's a good one, isn't it? It is as certain you will fear what you attack as it is sure that you will love what you perceive as sinless. He walks in peace who travels sinlessly along the way love shows him. For love walks with him there, protecting him from fear. And he will see only the sinless who cannot attack. Mm, So good, so helpful. Yes. And so we can live this way. We can walk in peace, travel sinlessly along the way love shows us, knowing that love goes there with us and that we have everything we need within us. And then we only share our sinlessness. We only share our loving heart. We only share that. Mm-hmm. It goes on. Belief in enemies is therefore the belief in weakness. And what is weak is not the will of God. Being opposed to it, it is God's enemy. And God is feared as an opposing will. So to me, one of the most helpful things in the course kind of woke me up when I read it is that there's only God's will, Jesus tells us. There's only God's will. There is no other will. And so the idea that we could have an enemy, that there could be a will that's working against us, or that we could work against others, this idea of other, of enemy, of a second will, a separate will, opposition. All of it is part of the illusion. None of it is real. And many of us, when we're studying A Course in Miracles, the whole understanding of illusion, uh, an illusory world and that our true reality is not in this illusory world that this is a dream we're dreaming a dream a collective dream all of that can seem so challenging to understand what we're being asked to do is recognize that we're one with each other To me, that's the more important thing is to recognize I'm one with my brothers and sisters and that we're having this experience of 
seeming to be separate as a way of coming back to the remembrance of unity that we move into a place where we yearn to feel that connection. We yearn to feel the connection with God. We yearn to feel the connection with our brothers and sisters, our mothers and fathers, our lovers and friends, our daughters and sons, our cousins. We yearn to feel the connection with other beings. And that that intimacy, that connection that we can feel with our brothers and sisters is the remembrance of God's infinite love loving us. That's our goal. So let's remember that's our goal and place it right in front of us and recognize that if we're attacking our brothers and sisters thinking of them as enemies, because we are one with them, it's a war we're having with ourselves. And we can (laughs) release all attachment to it. Oh my goodness, yes, 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 yes. Well, it's time for me to take a break here. And as I go into the break, I'd like to remind you that we have so many free offerings at the Power of Love Ministry, and you can learn all about them at jenniferhadley.com. So I invite you to go there and check it out. Uh, The Stop Playing Small Retreat starts Friday, September 9th. Remember, we've got Sundays with Spirit every Sunday, and I write a daily blog daily blog, daily prayer, inspiration. We can share it together. It's time for me to go for a break. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. My name is Jennifer Hadley, and you're listening to A Course in Miracles. We're walking the talk. We're living the love. And this week, we are looking at The War Against Yourself, which is the title of Chapter 23. And we're looking at the the intro, which lays out the basics about the war against ourselves. One of the key points that Jesus is making in this section at the beginning of chapter 23 is that if we perceive a brother or sister, another, as being sinful, then we will feel attacked. We will feel vulnerable to attack. Why? Because... Our perception of another person's sinless or sinfulness is a projection of our own sense of sinfulness. If we did not see ourselves as sinners, we would not look at others and call them sinners. Now, remember that calling someone a sinner could be that, for instance, right now, Politics is front and center in so many things. So looking at a politician and saying 
they're an idiot or they're wrong, they're bad, they're stupid, they're incompetent, they're um, fascist, all these things uh, to label people in these ways is to put the label of sin on the person. Now hear me out here because someone, uh, you know, here's how I learned this myself. All right. Driving in LA traffic, and I'm sure I've talked about this in the past. Driving in LA traffic, I lived in LA 22 years and Um, sometimes you'd be sitting at an intersection and you couldn't move even though you had a green light. And so you're sitting there waiting to move at the green light because you don't want to block the intersection. And still people who have a red light are turning right on a red light and they are going even though, uh, you have the right to go, they'll go instead. And so we could say, well, that's sinful behavior, or we could call it by some profane name, some type of whole behavior. (laughs) We could say that about them. And yet what they taught me is they are not the sinner, but the behavior that they are sharing with the world is unloving behavior. But they are still lovable, even though they're evidencing this unlovable behavior, we could say. It's a cry for love. When anyone is unkind to a brother or sister, uh, unloving to a brother or sister, That is a cry for love. And instead of labeling them as a sinner for it, we can have compassion for them. And that is the way out of fear. That is the way out of worry. It's challenging to be willing to accept that the reason why I feel worried and afraid is because I am thinking mean thoughts about my brothers and sisters. I'm attacking my brothers and sisters rather than affirming their innocence. And here's what Jesus says in this intro, uh, paragraph two. How strange indeed becomes this war against yourself. You will believe that everything you use for sin can hurt you and become your enemy. And you will fight against it and try to weaken it because of this. And you will think that you succeeded and attack again. It is as certain you will fear what you attack as it is sure that you will love what you perceive as sinless. And I love this last part. He walks in peace who travels sinlessly along the way love shows him. For love walks with him there, protecting him from fear. And he will see only the sinless who cannot attack. 
So I'm going to read this and substitute some of the words here and say, you walk in peace, traveling sinlessly along the way love shows you. For love walks with you there, protecting you from fear. And you will see only the sinless who cannot attack. Paragraph three, he says, walk you in glory with your head held high and fear no evil. The innocent are safe because they share their innocence. Nothing they see is harmful, for their awareness of the truth releases everything from the illusion of harmfulness. And what seemed harmful now stands shining in their innocence, released from sin and fear, and happily returned to love. They share the strength of love because... They looked on innocence, and every error disappeared because they saw it not. Who looks for glory finds it where it is. What could it be but in, excuse me, where could it be but in the innocent? So if we would like to have a life without fear, we see the innocence in everyone. The innocent are safe because they share their innocence. Walk you in glory with your head held high and fear no evil. Yes. Walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil because you are looking from your innocence to see the innocence and affirm the innocence in your brothers and sisters. Now, this is really powerful here. Let not the little interferers pull you to littleness. Let not the little interferers pull you to littleness. There can be no attraction of guilt in innocence. Think what a happy world you walk with truth beside you. We have the truth. We have access to the truth. And we're innocent. We're innocent We're already free, already as free as we can possibly be. We cannot be more free than we already are. We cannot be more innocent than we already are. So let us not be attracted to littleness. Think what a happy world you walk with truth beside you. Do not give up this world of freedom for a little sigh of seeming sin, nor for a tiny stirring of guilt's attraction. So there is an attraction to guilt. The unconscious guilt is what is is so pervasive in the human race consciousness. 
So it is like a siren song calling us to crash on the rocks. That's the thing about guilt. There's a temptation to move into feeling guilty and energizing that guilt or attacking others and energizing their guilt. We can climb out of all of that and we do not have to figure out how. We do not have to learn anything. All we have to do is be willing to value the truth rather than the stories that we've made up. Let not the little interferers pull you to littleness. There can be no attraction of guilt in innocence. Think what a happy world you walk with truth beside you. Do not give up this world of freedom for a little sigh of seeming sin, nor for a tiny stirring of guilt's attraction. Would you, for all these meaningless distractions, lay heaven aside? Your destiny and purpose are far beyond them. In the clean place where littleness does not exist. Your purpose is at variance with littleness of any kind, and so it is at variance with sin. So our purpose is to accept the atonement for ourselves. Our purpose is to practice forgiveness, which is to practice the full release of our attachments to our opinions, our stories, our judgments. So your purpose is at variance with littleness of any kind. There's no match for littleness in our purpose. We can choose to energize littleness, those little interferers of seeming sin and the tiny stirrings of guilt's attraction, but our purpose, our holiness, our magnificence is not a match for it. So let's set it aside. How wonderful that sin is not part of our nature and it does not have to be part of our experience. Now, in paragraph 5 here, he says, let us not let littleness lead God's son into temptation. Remember, he also says in the Course, all temptation is of the body. So let us not let littleness lead God's son into temptation. Temptation to identify with the body. Temptation to see ourselves as other or separate. All these temptations. It's not about temptation to smoke, to drink, to have sex. It's not that kind of temptation. Because none of those things are wrong or bad, but we've attributed them to sinfulness. So we actually choose them in order to affirm we are sinners and we are sinful. Because that is the idea of ourselves that we feel most comfortable with. We don't feel comfortable with recognizing our magnificence.
Mm. Let us not let littleness lead God's Son into temptation. God's glory is beyond it, measureless and timeless as eternity. Do not let time intrude upon your sight of him. Leave him not frightened and alone in his temptation, but help him rise above it and perceive the light of which he is part. So now the hymn here is our brothers and sisters. Let us not let littleness leads God's son lead God's son into temptation. So let's not project that littleness onto our brothers and sisters and lead them into the temptation of separation. Leave him not frightened and alone in his temptation, but help him rise above it and perceive the light of which he is a part. Your innocence will light the way to his, and so is yours protected and kept in your awareness. So this is another key point here that Jesus makes throughout the course, which is we cannot go individually to our remembrance of heaven. We can only go collectively. So if we think we can go there without the brothers and sisters that we dislike. Right now, some politicians are really despised by some people. Let's remember to laugh. And I'm not saying we accept their policies or that we accept their behavior and we condone it, that we don't say anything, that we don't do anything not saying that, but we don't have to be attacking in our mind. We can say, this is not acceptable to me. This is not the the way I would like to behave. So I am going to vote you out of office. I am going to uh, campaign for somebody else. I am going to write an editorial to the newspaper and let my thoughts and feelings be known. But in doing all of that, we do not have to attack. We don't have to fight. We can simply make it clear, make it plain what our thoughts and beliefs are without attacking. We can, and it's a good thing to practice. Very helpful thing. And this is where Jesus is taking us. Leave your brother, your sister, not frightened and alone in their temptation, but help them rise above it and perceive the light of which they are a part. Hey, if we see them as not a part, if we see them as separate, we are denying our own healing. When we can see that we're in this together, then we're all having a healing. Jesus says, your innocence will light the way to his, and so is yours protected and kept in your awareness. By letting the Christ in our mind light the way in our awareness to see the Christ in our brothers and sisters, 
we are protecting our awareness and we are amplifying our clarity. For who can know his glory and perceive the little and the weak about him? Who can walk trembling in a fearful world and realize that heaven's glory shines on him? Now, one of the things that we sometimes do is we make ourselves afraid. We make ourselves very afraid. And when we do that, we are affirming our littleness. We're affirming that we are in lack and limitation and that we don't have. We don't have the Christ within us. We don't have our magnificence intact. Whenever we're in fear, we're mistaken. Whenever we're in fear, we're not seeing correctly. So rather than trying to figure it out, simply turning to spirit and saying, I must have decided wrongly because I am not at peace. Simple, that prayer from the very end of chapter 5, so helpful to us. My cat Sattva is playing on my feet here, my bare feet. (laughs) He's looking at me, hey, what's happening? When are we going to go play? Hmm. Who can walk trembling in a fearful world and realize that heaven's glory shines on him? Nothing around you, but is part of you. Look on it lovingly and see the light of heaven in it. So will you come to understand all that is given you. In kind forgiveness, Will the world sparkle and shine? And everything you once thought sinful now will be reinterpreted as part of heaven. How beautiful it is to walk clean and redeemed and happy through a world in bitter need of the redemption that your innocence bestows upon it. What can you value more than this. For here is your salvation and your freedom, and it must be complete if you would recognize it. So our salvation and our freedom must be complete or we couldn't recognize it. How beautiful it is to walk clean and redeemed and happy through a world in bitter need of the redemption that your innocence bestows upon it. So for me, one of the things that was very helpful to me is to, because I was so, 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 so judgmental, uh, to realize that every time I move into judgment against my brothers and sisters, attacks against them are always going to prevent me from seeing the perfection, the innocence, the beauty, and the wholeness within me. I'm not interested in these delusions of lack. We talk about, there's the phrase, delusions of grandeur. (laughs) In our world, people don't have illusions, delusions of grandeur, 
just the opposite. They have delusions of sinfulness. They have delusions of lack and limitation. They have delusions of oh, ugliness and enemies. And we can give all of that up. Indeed, this is our calling. This is our holy purpose. So is there someone you perceive as an enemy? Is there someone that you love to hate? Is there someone that you love to complain about, to attack, to hold up grievances around? Are you willing to give that up in order to see your beauty, your perfection, your holiness? Because until you really give it up in your heart, you won't see the truth of yourself. You won't see your innocence. And I just think it's such a perfect system that requires us to see the beauty and perfection in others in order to see it in ourselves. What more proof do we need about the oneness and unity of all life that we cannot see our own perfection and beauty until we are willing to see it in our brothers and sisters? Let's remember what Jesus said at the beginning of this, that in the beginning of this intro, Do you not see the opposite of frailty and weakness is sinlessness? Innocence is strength, and nothing else is strong. The sinless cannot fear. It's not even possible. When you see your innocence in yourself, and you you won't be able to see it until you see it in your brothers and sisters, and when you do see it in your brothers and sisters, you will no longer have fear. That's it. People wonder, how can I get out of fear? Now, the way that I initially really perceived this is as long as I have judgments, which are attack thoughts, thoughts of condemnation, whether it's directed at me or someone else, does not matter. As long as I hold on to these judgments, I will have fear. I will feel unworthy. And as soon as I really committed to giving them up, I felt worthy. And the fear started to really, truly dissolve. It's not complicated. It's not rocket science. A Course in Miracles can be difficult sometimes But the principles are very, very simple. Yes. You will believe that everything you use for sin can hurt you and become your enemy. So what is it we use for sin? Simply our attack thoughts. The stories that we make up. And our attack thoughts about others are simply our own attack thoughts about ourselves projected outward. We'll see our own worth and innocence when we see it in our brothers and sisters. It's just so simple. 
So the war against ourselves requires us to see others as enemies, others as bad and wrong, stupid, sinners, evil. Our job, our mission, should we choose to accept it, and I believe that we already have, is to see the innocence in all. And seeing the innocence in all changes them. Because our mind is the mind of God. So if we'd like to be truly helpful, let's become seriously interested in the truth. Right here, right now. (laughs) So you can see that for me, playing small is entertaining all these false ideas and living as though these false ideas, these projections, these enemies, these sinful expressions are real. That's playing small. Believing the stories we've made up, the false beliefs, that's playing small. And it's such a relief to let them go. Such a relief to let them go. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Well, Bodhi and Sattva, my dog and my kitty, they're getting restless. And they're saying, hey, we think it's time for you to come play with us. So I'm going to get ready to do that. If you're interested in joining me in my Stop Playing Small retreat, we have such a good time. It, it, I like remembering to laugh. I like making, going deep and having deep healing, deep transformation, lots of fun. And we can do it. And thank God we've learned to do it online so we don't have to travel. So if you'd like to join my retreat, check out the details at jenniferhadley.com. Stop Playing Small Retreat begins on Friday, September 9th. That's this Friday coming up. And got lots of more good things coming your way. Finding Freedom starts in October. We have another class with Karen J. Gardner coming up in September. November, my spiritual counseling training intensive. And then Masterful Living registration for next year will be opening and you can register uh, and get those early bonuses so you can enjoy this, those and we'll enjoy them together. Let's pray. I'm grateful and thankful to place my hand in my heart and to recognize and remember the fullness of love is what we already are. We're grateful and thankful to allow ourselves to remember the truth, to value the truth, and to see it reflected back to us and our brothers and sisters. We're grateful for God's infinite grace, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. I love you. Mwah.